Right, in today's episode of The Money Lab, we get to talk about money stories around shag carpet patches and the devastating loss of a contact lens. Welcome to The Money Lab Podcast, episode number 92, The Free Samples Shag Patch Carpet Money Story. All right, welcome to the Money Lab Podcast. I am your host, Wei Hong, and this is the podcast where we talk about money stories, tips, strategies, and interviews with some amazing people like the guests that we have today so that you can be inspired to create a lifestyle free of bad money stories, money anxiety, and stress. There is a complimentary ebook that goes with this show. It's called From Money Anxiety to Six Figure Mastery. Make sure you go to go.thesixfigureacademy.com and get it there. It's the perfect complement to all things we discuss on the show. It's free. And quite frankly, we've been told that it could change your life. Now, while you're there, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and can catch us every week. For all other ways to find us, go to the sixfigureacademy.com forward slash radio for all the details. And if there's something that you love about what you hear on this episode today that you know could help someone you care about, remember, sharing is caring. Share this show to that person. Now, I'm really excited about the show today because I have an, a bona fide expert around all the things I talk about that are keeping entrepreneurs stuck today, which is around stress and worry and more more specifically around money so i have and i gotta do this i i gotta i, gotta, I don't want to mess this up i have dr amy Saren <laughs> on our show today and she is a leading neuropsychologist and founder of the Saren center clinics and an author of i just found out the number one uh, in her category anyway and the number one amazon best-selling book the stress switch the truth about stress and how to short circuit it an inventor of a stress tech wearables called Touch points. Now, for over a decade, Dr. Saren has made it her mission to cure excess stress and anxiety and help people live their best lives. And for any, those of you who are out there listening and know what I do for a living for one of my businesses, it's all about stress. It's all about, and I love that um, our mutual friend Jane Tabashnik, big call out for her, made this introduction because she knew. And once we had a little pretty much an intro call, it was like, okay, yeah, this is a match made in heaven. We got to talk. We got to get it on the show. <laughs> so, Dr. Amy. Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for making the time. So happy that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to do this. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening to this live and not able to see the video, which we're going to post afterwards, you're going to see just, you know, she is your, not your typical doctor, <laughs> doesn't have the white... <laughs> The white lab coat. I on do. It's just in the closet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not wearing it today, but yeah, yeah. And so um, it's, it was interesting because I had I had spoken to you before, and then I said, "Oh my God, you look at that! You clean up so well. You don't even look like a doctor anymore." And yet you're a doctor. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. Let's get the money story out of the way because the whole premise behind the story is that every entrepreneur, including yourself, has had to deal with some kind of a money story during their journey as an entrepreneur. Specifically, I mean, more often than not, most entrepreneurs have to go through some kind of money story, so go through some money blocks or things that come up because it ain't easy being an entrepreneur, right? So let's talk a little about your money story and, and what you grew up with and <clears throat> How that money story, uh, you know, um, made life challenging maybe at some point and how that money story also supported your success in where you are today. Yeah. So it's interesting because it really starts out with my parents' money story. And yeah. I think for all of us, we're brought up with the money stories of others. And this was when I was very young. So I don't have a recollection of this. But we were basically living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And it was in the 70s, like 1978. And thankfully, shag carpeting was in style, you know, these patchwork <laughs> shag carpets. So my mom, we had bought a house, a very, very small, tiny house. Mm -hmm. And they didn't realize that in Arizona, the um, electricity bill would actually be more than their house payment because it was a brick house with no what? insulation. So they didn't have money to put carpet in. <laughs> Wow. And um, so my mom, you know, my parents are both really hard workers. They're both scrappers, you know, and she actually would go dumpster diving behind carpet stores oh. to get the samples of carpeting and made a patchwork carpet so that we could have carpet. 
And so just kind did of growing wash, up with did these Did she stories, at least wash the carpet after she dumps her dad to put it? You know, I'm just going to I'm just going to pretend in my mind that <laughs> that did happen. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but um she said it was great though because whenever there was a stain, she could just lift up one piece and just put another one down. It's so modular. It modular. Ended up being Right. You, you know, and I'm thinking, this is great. You know, I, Ikea and, and everything would, would love this. I'm surprised you're not, you know, Scandinavian with those kinds of sensibilities. But she really um, was, held it all together so that we could, um, we could live, you know, a, a nice life, as nice as possible with what limited means they had. And mm-hmm. um, she was incredibly stressed out until my dad built a house basically with his bare hands. And in addition to his full-time job. And one day she said she lost a contact Mm -hmm. and she just sat on the floor on this furniture in my eyes right now and just cried for hours Mm. because she knew she couldn't afford another contact. And she just didn't know with, you know, I was like two years old at the time and my brother was six or seven and she didn't know how she was going to, um, you know, basically make it without, with one eye, you know, without (laughs) the use of one eye or vision in one. And so um, that is kind of the sacrifice that for many of us, when we don't have to sacrifice our generations before us, they have their money stories and they impart their ideas and views about money onto us. And we all have, I think the grandfather, you know, that went through depression or something like that. And now they're abundant, but they're still feeling like there's a lack. And my parents, never taught me to feel like there was a lack, but what they did was I watched them be very frugal and very smart with their money. So they would put money into houses as investments, but they would never buy new cars because cars were depreciating assets. So they always taught me that where you put your money is really important and to not be wasteful. And Mm -hmm. as my dad got promoted and um, was a successful engineer for his career, you know, I actually, from my perspective, always felt, um, security and abundance with regards to money. And mm-hmm. I think that has carried on to my adult life in terms of how I spend money and really not having to um, feel a lot of stress around money because there's this undercurrent of trust that right. it's just always going to be there. And if something were to happen, I would just figure it out just like my mom figured out the carpet, right, you know? Right. <laughs> so now behind every money story, I found there's always those moments in our life where there's like, you know, maybe picked up, picking up something that, what do you think like in your, in your particular case, in your particular money story that it may not have been the best support in terms of approaching, you know, building your business and growing your financial success? Was there any moment where there's like like the contact lens thing or the frugality or maybe over the top frugality? I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think that just kind of this idea that um, I have to do everything by myself and also that I do need to watch everything. You know, I think it's made me a little bit um, risk averse in some ways. Okay, I don't know if that's really hurt. You know what? If I'm looking at my clinics as one of my businesses. I'm full owner of my clinics because I knew I could do it by myself and I felt that I had to. So that's kind of a blessing. Uh And um, on the other hand, I haven't, um, I have three clinics in Arizona. Uh I could have scaled them by this point to be much larger um, and to be uh, generating more revenue. Uh But because I'm also a very focused healer, um, I'm balancing this, you know, I still feel abundant and I'm doing quite well, but I also get to enjoy helping people live their best lives every day. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it hurt me, but I think I could have taken some more calculated risk. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say hurt or anything like that, but you yeah. know, kind of like, because if you have a, and it sounds like you do have this huge mission of helping as many people as possible, one of the best ways to do it is to scale your business that is designed to do that, right? So Right, and you know, I, yeah, and I think what I've done is kept the clinics, you know, local, and then people certainly fly in from different parts of the country and even some places in the world. But the the scalability really comes in with the tech product in the book. So mm-hmm. the book is kind of a low cost way to just get a message out to sure. millions of people. And then the tech product has been used about a million times last year. Wow. And so that's a way that people can get benefit from my knowledge as a neuropsychologist without having to come visit me in person. Right. And I, I think that's a that's a very smart thing to do because that's kind of where the world is going anyway. I mean, the, the brick and mortar, um, scaling from a brick and mortar status is very 
cost prohibitive for one thing <laughs> because mm -hmm. you literally have yeah. to have physical locations and you know rents today isn't like less than our power bill I mean, i'm thinking about what you said about <laughs> i was like if only my rent was less than my power <laughs> bill that would be fantastic right, right. wouldn't that be great yeah well I, welcome to 2019 right i know it's it, it's um you're right about the rent and about these hard costs of, mm -hmm. of the brick and mortar it really can be prohibitive and now with like the things that you're doing getting these messages out mm -hmm. and whoever wants to access this information and this knowledge and all of these things that can help their lives all they need to do is open up their computer um, yeah. They don't need to go physically see you anymore unless you're actually doing something physically for their bodies. Right. So it's really, um, you know, it's really, really an exciting time, I think, in yeah. our evolution. Yeah. And, you know, and with for other entrepreneurs who struggle with that, you know, the, the struggle to scale because it's scary, it's risky and and those type of things. I mean, you went from one to three locations. I always say the magic number for any kind of physical location is three. Our family has been in the restaurant business and everything like that. So the magic number is to get to three locations that are thriving and then you've got yourself um, momentum. Right. Um Getting to three locations was no easy task, I'm sure. What did you do to kind of um, challenge that 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 uh, risk averse story that was probably running underneath and doing everything yourself? Be frugal. Don't buy new cars. Invest in property. <laughs> right, right. It's so interesting because I'm incredibly um, goal oriented, and I I joke to people that I'm a recovering perfectionistic overachiever, and so. <laughs> I always had these goals in school, you know, 4.0 and, you know, all these things and just leadership. And, and, and when it came to my business, it was so interesting. I just kind of like, it's like row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. There was just this sort of undercurrent. And if somebody approached me and said, Hey, I really want to work for you. I was like, okay, let's work that out. Or, Oh, this, this is becoming available. Let me look at this property for a clinic or, Oh, there's more people coming from this area. Maybe I should put a clinic there. It was very organic in the way that I grew things. Mm -hmm. And it was so natural that there was not a lot of stress involved versus wow. that kind of beat your head against the universe, right. you know, try to try to accomplish this. And if it's not happening, be disappointed in yourself. So right. I think um, and then and then because I had this undercurrent of kind of trust in the universe and this abundant history with money or the feeling anyway, yeah. because I was too young to remember my mom crying on the floor with her contact lens. You know, yeah. I was just thought that we had a lot and enough. Yeah. Um, I really sort of trusted that things were just going to work out. And so in taking some of the, making some of these decisions, like signing a five-year lease, you know, yeah. I felt some anxiety about it, but I just went ahead and did it. Yeah. And now here I am today. So it's, it's not the typical entrepreneur story where you're, you know, setting goals and hitting milestones and doing all this. And I, I think that has part is partly to do with the fact that this is really these clinics are for healing. And that uh -huh. was really the main goal. I was really more focused on what are the best healing modalities for people? Right. What is the quickest way for me to fix and get rid of someone's PTSD or their depression or anxiety? So right. that was actually really the focus the entire time. And the business was almost kind of not a nuisance, but the business was almost just kind of like a side thing. Oh, oh yeah, and I have to get business. I have to have space to do this out of, right? Or, <laughs> oh, you have to monetize oh, yeah, I have this. to have an administrative assistant <laughs> yeah. because um, I can't be calling all these people back for their appointments and things like that. And oh, yeah, I need a, you know, so it was almost like the business aspect was an afterthought because I was just so focused on the healing. Right. I mean, there there is a book. There's a book that was written, I think, in the 70s that one of my mentors gave me, like Getting Rich or Getting Rich Your Own Way or something like that. And when they did, they did like a 20 to 30 year study that most millionaires or most uh, wealthy people didn't even realize they were, they were rich. They just did what they loved to do. They just kind of went with whatever showed up. And one day they just, they lifted their head up from the grind and they're like, oh, I'm a millionaire. Okay. Well, whatever. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> right. You know, it's so interesting psychologically because this is kind of the analogy of boiling a frog uh -huh. where, you know, if a frog jumps in warm or really hot water, it knows it's hot and it jumps out. But if you, it's in warm water and it's kind of comfortable, you can just turn the heat up and it doesn't really perceive that there's a change in temperature. Mm -hmm. So this is the difference between someone winning the lottery and all of a right. sudden this massive wealth and this delta, right? right? That is so much different psychologically for a person yeah. than it is to have this slow, uh, you know, graduated increase. Right. And so I'm in that right now where I look at where I am financially and going, wow, this is a lot different than it was <laughs> seven, eight years ago. Right. But 
I still have, you know, it's just that I have a nicer car or that, you know, the, the purse that I might like is a little bit more or the money that I can put into charity is right. a bigger check. But it's the same process and the same content. It's just a different amount. And I think people overestimate the joy that they're going to get and the happiness they're going to get with these incremental changes. Right. Because once our basic needs are met and we feel abundant, right. the the gravy on top of that doesn't really enhance our happiness. We, we need to get to a place of self-fulfillment and regulation, right? Right, exactly. And I think we talked about yeah. it when we first talked about you know, the book I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up right now is about unlocking people's happiness is, has nothing to do with money. You know, money is a great tool, right? And, um, and, 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 and just as a side note, for those of you who are listening to the details and everything, we're not saying entrepreneurs are like frogs that are going to be about to get boiled. But... Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. That's where the analogy breaks That's down. That's yeah, when you're boiling your own flesh. That that yeah, we need to just be real clear that that's the, it's this, just this about part the of the analogy work. <laughs> Only part of it. People are like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to be a boiled frog. What's happening here? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I love what you're saying in around, you know, and I think this is something that with a lot of my clients and my students is that, you know, introducing the concept of the magic of what creates abundance and prosperity, and especially as an entrepreneur, is embracing that deep underlying current of trust, faith, and um, the universe, right? Uh, what you're saying, like mm-hmm. the organic thing. So I, I want you, can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of, you know, helping maybe an entrepreneur says, what do you mean the universe? What do you mean organic and trust? No, this is what I learned in business school, what I have to do in order to be successful. And here you are saying, ah, oh, you know, I just kind of went with it and just trusted in the flow and just, it, you know, it just happened. And, how, and you know what? Most mm-hmm. successful entrepreneurs, that's what you're successfully happy entrepreneurs. Let me put it that way. Successfully happy entrepreneurs. Yeah. Successfully happy. I think that's the difference. And uh-huh. I don't want to underestimate, you know, the power of hard work. I mean, I worked my butt off for sure. years, um, but it was fun. You know, it's, it was fun and yes, I was driven, I <laughs> but I was driven. It, it was really about how, you know, if I've got nine patients back to back or if I'm learning how to do neuromodulation and neurofeedback and changing the brain and all this exciting stuff, that was just so fun. But there was a lot of, blood, sweat and tears that went into that. So I don't mean sit on your bed, you know, and, um, and think that you're changing the world, because it's just all going to happen to you, right? right? So you want to trust the universe, but you also, um, you know, you're working through that in terms of your own, you know, sweat equity. But I think, I think that where people get um, burned, or, or where it's hard from an entrepreneurial standpoint is when there's a lot of resistance to what is, you know, mm-hmm. I see the entrepreneurs who get burnout and I see two predominant things that happen. And these are the ones that end up in my office. Sometimes they're here for performance enhancement and um, they don't realize just kind of how stressed out they are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they tried something and even if it was successful, they're incredibly burnt out. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs chasing exit yeah. and then they get to that exit and then they're like, uh oh, now what? It's like they've reached the pinnacle of something and they're like, what? I just climbed down. That's it. And it's almost <laughs> like what happens to marathon runners <clears throat> where they run this marathon and train and train. And then right. afterwards, there's this low grade depression that sets in. Yeah. So I think the expectation of how things are going to feel when they reach some goal gets a lot of people into trouble. Right. right? And then the resistance along the way to that goal. In other words, how can I attain this goal without resisting what is? And right. this is where if you don't hit your projections or if the way you thought business could be done can't be done, mm-hmm. you know, the quicker you can accept and maneuver, the better off things are going to be. And if you're so rigid about your goals or having to be met a certain way, I think this is where uh, the stress really sets in, the burnout really stress, uh, sets in, sometimes even suicidality and a lot of depression, yeah. feelings of failure. Yeah. And that is just a result of rigid inflexible thinking and a nervous system that then locks into that with a lot of stress. Yeah. So the good news is we can fix it. Right. So let's, you know, yeah, there's ways to, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm all excited because we're talking about your expertise now. We're going, we're moving into <clears throat> the book, what you, the book that you've written, and um, that's doing really, really well right now, um, both domestically and internationally, right? And um, mm-hmm. your main focus. I mean, how did, how did you even get into the areas of stress? I know how I got into it because I had to deal with it myself. My journey is a little bit, probably a little bit different than how you ended up uh, focusing on helping people with their stress and anxiety. 
So yeah. how? Yeah, tell me a little so bit about that. I, a couple of things. I mean, I was actually. Um, I in, was incredibly stressed out in my 20s. I okay. had, um, I was overweight. I had eczema all over my body. I was trying to, I was working in Los Angeles uh-huh. in international business development uh-huh. and at the same time trying to get my MBA at UCLA. And I was incredibly, um, just incredibly stressed out. And allergy, right. And allergies, my allergies were just um, horrible and um, nothing was working. And I realized I needed to take a look at my life and what was not aligning with, you know, what my true purpose was. I felt like I was just kind of plugging along for money and money only. And with what people said, oh, you're good at this, you should go to business school or you should do this. Uh And it really wasn't fulfilling. And so I actually left my dot-com startup job um, Mm. and I went back to school and got my degree in um, clinical psychology and specialized in neuropsychology. And that was, I think, the turning point was realigning myself. And talk about a money story, right? I was doing Mm -hmm. really well in Los Angeles financially. And I left that, including options on the table, all behind to pursue my my degree. And the opportunity cost of that degree, if you want to put it in dollars, was more than about $900,000 based on how long it took me and the money I was making, the salary that I gave up. Oh, my God. So, you know, and so that's a a risk that I took, but I never even thought about the money because I was just so stressed out. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed a huge pattern interrupt in my life. Yeah. And so... Um, years later and working in my clinics after my degree, I was working with, uh, consulting with foreign militaries and looking at how do we prevent PTSD? You know, I look at PTSD Mm -hmm. like polio or malaria. It's a disease that actually can be eradicated. Yeah. And what do you need to do? I don't need to inject anyone with stress in order for their immune system to build immunity to it because we're going through fluctuations of stress all day long. Right. And whether or not you're paying attention to it, that's just the way our autonomic system works. And so because of this, if we can bring someone down into a state of calm Mm -hmm. during those normal fluctuations or after a traumatic event Mm -hmm. and bring them back down, what we can do is we can actually build resiliency in the brain and body to stress and we can prevent PTSD. And then if someone perchance gets PTSD, we actually already know that we can fix it in about six hours of therapy. So my job was to get these foreign military elite to never develop PTSD. And in oh, doing so, so preventative. I, yeah, preventative and a treatment. And so nice. I looked to the best therapy that treats PTSD. It's called EMDR therapy. Uh-huh. And there's something that therapists use called bilateral stimulation. And I can show you right here. So if you turn these on, they mm-hmm. actually sync together here, then they vibrate in an alternating pattern. And just having these on the body will interfere with the key brain network that automatically turns your stress switch on. And in doing so, this can bring people down to a state of calm. And um, there's a new study that shows that it lowers cortisol after a stressful task. Wow. And um, it reduces stress by about 62% in 30 seconds. And that's published scientific research. Holy cow. So, and then you, holy and, cow, right? Right. And then you developed the technology that you just showed me on the video. For those of you who aren't watching the video, you watch the video later, you can see what she showed up. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's the technology that you helped develop or you developed to mm-hmm. kind of like help people yeah. with that. Right. So I invented um, touch points. We, mm-hmm. we had old wired devices that therapists and doctors had been using for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. What I did was improve the waveform and put them in wireless devices so that uh, the military could have them when they were deployed. And then we realized with electroencephalogram studies that it worked so well for the general stress response that we shouldn't just be focused on PTSD. We should actually just give everyone access to this right. because when your stress is lower, everything in your life is better. You're more patient. You're more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You make better money decisions. Yeah. No, you know, you think about, you know, I mean, think about all these decisions. When we're stressed out, we're either impulsive with money. Right. Or we're incredibly risk averse with money and right. we're not engaged in our thinking brain. And so realizing over the last, you know, six, seven years, what lowering stress really does, you know, I felt compelled to write this book just so that everybody can really understand the new neuroscience of stress and how to apply it to their lives. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's such a big piece that people often overlook because it's become so prevalent in society that people just just kind of accept, oh, yeah, I'm stressed out right now. It's like, and how is that okay? Yeah. 
How is that okay for you exactly. to go out with friends and say, I need a drink because I'm stressed out right now? It's like, and how often do we say that? I mean, I have people who literally say that at least once or twice or three times a week, and they're, they're, and that's their excuse to go to happy hour. And I said, you're saying this way too often. And as time goes on, I mean, you know all the stats. I'm like, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm like, this, the stress will actually, I mean, literally, it's a slow killer, right? It is. It is a slow killer. And some people do wear it as a badge of honor, you know, Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs, I see this all the time. Oh, I only sleep five hours a night. I'm like, like, are you bragging about that? Because (laughs) what you're telling me is, is that you're going to die earlier and that you're probably going to have some kind of degenerative disease and all this. That's really what you're bragging about. I'm not impressed. We need to get you sleeping. Um, or, you know, Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed as though they're not successful if they're not stressed out. And People also assume that stress is something that happens to you. You know, I have a mother-in-law, therefore I'm stressed, or uh, this happened, therefore I'm stressed. And I think we need to flip that message. And through the book, I really go into stress is your body's moment-to-moment reaction to a sensory trigger. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And that's why someone can get a C on a test and feel great, and another person can get a C on a test and not sleep for days. Your nervous system has a unique reaction to any kind of trigger, loud sounds, internal thoughts, your mother-in-law standing in front of you. And it's, we can't control the triggers a lot of the time, but we can lower our stress switch. So what we want, and this is the key to you know, happiness, honestly, is having a low default stress switch number. Mm-hmm. So if you think of your stress switch between zero and 10, okay? Some of us are hanging out at a six most of the time. You know, we wake up and we're like, what do I have to do today? You know, and it's automatically we're at a six. (laughs) You know, our adrenals are working. We've got cortisol going on and adrenaline Uh and all these things. And a lot of entrepreneurs are fueled by adrenaline. It's not a good fuel. You know, hopefully you're not feeling yourself with, yeah, with sugar and energy drinks all day. But it's the same crummy fuel that you're using if you're using adrenaline and it Mm -hmm. can't sustain itself. So you want your stress switch baseline number to be, you know, between zero and a, th- and a three, basically most of the time, not a six or seven kind of waiting for one thing to come. And then you just blow, you know, one right. thing will, will tip those scales into full blown fight or flight or panic. Right. So you want your default number to be low. And then what you want to do is you want to be able to bring your nervous system back to a regulated state whenever there is a trigger. So if there's a loud boom right now, you and I will both go into fight or flight. But what I will do is turn my touch points on and that will um, theoretically bring that stress level down mm-hmm. more quickly to a state of regulation and restabilize my cortisol so my body doesn't have to be inflamed with stress any longer than it needed to to go into fight or flight for that minute. Right. And it's about it's about managing that, right? I mean, I think that the fight mm-hmm. or flight type of response is kind of a vestige from back in the caveman days when we had to kind of fight or flight from saber two tigers and run away from things, you know? And that low grade, like five or six level is like, at any given moment, something's going to jump out of the bushes and kill me, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And this is, this is where a lot of entrepreneurs hang out, right? Because they're like, okay, you know, an email is not a saber tooth tiger. No. (laughs) Right. But, but, but our nervous systems get confused because it's almost like, you know, threats to our threats to our life um, can be the same to our nervous system as threats to our identity. Right. right. And this is why if something's going wrong in a relationship or if one of our partnerships and business breaks down or if we don't get something we want, we can go into fight or flight because that is uh, a threat of death in a way. It's mm-hmm. just more this existential concept of kind of this identity problem. Right. And, and a lot of us are really embedded in our ego state yeah. and who we think we are all the time. And we yeah. don't kind of balance that out with understanding we're just a part of a larger whole. Yeah. You know, and, and now I know even more so now why Jane introduced us because you and I just kind of work on so much of the same thing. I mean, it, it just blends so well together. And the, the part where you talk about when it challenges their identity, what we found on our end is that, you know, that typically comes from human beings growing up, most of us growing up, buying into a perception of how or who we're supposed to be. And a lot of what we, what we do is we help people identify physically, based on their physicality, what they are so that they don't ever have to be challenged on knowing who or what they are. And if something happens in the world, it's like, well, that's, that's okay, but that's not me, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and people say, oh, you know, why aren't you stressed out? Cause it's not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And therefore I don't have to take it personally. Right. There's, there's an undercurrent of things that are outside of my control. And when we're 
really mind identified, right? right? We we have these ideas of what we want, of what should be. This is really what fuels a lot of our stress and a lot of our discontent about life mm-hmm. is because we in our kind of what the part that we control in our minds think that things should be doing going a certain way. And when they're not that breeds stress or upset. But if we look at look at this from a different perspective, we don't have to take things personally. We don't have to be so serious. And, right. you know, um, my boyfriend's a, um, an adventurer and, uh-huh. and really into kind of healing through nature. And a few weeks ago, we were up in the redwoods nice. and looking at these trees that are 2000 years old and going like this tree was not created by human thinking. Right. You know, this no. tree doesn't care whether or not <laughs> I sell my business or I open up another clinic or all these things. You know, there's this right. vast world out there that ex- that exists outside of our limited thinking and to the extent we can kind of go there sometimes i think we can get a better balanced perspective and be a lot calmer with what we're doing on a daily basis yeah and and i love that you brought that up about you know this this tree was not created by human thinking so how much then based on what i mean i love and i love that you're on the clinical side of things you know i don't have the clinical side of things but you know doing doing a lot of this the similar type of work in a different way but you know how much of our challenges and the stress i mean how is is man-made versus as we would like i you probably will understand when i say universal law versus man-made law right in terms okay, of okay right, right. Mm-hmm. um and so like when you were talking about the redwoods and everything that's like uh for those that who are religious like this like you know it's god's work right there right it's like human beings that say mm-hmm. this redwood tree is going to grow a thousand years go <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm not putting any metrics on that redwood tree. That redwood tree doesn't have a 20% quarterly goal that it needs to hit. Right. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. And yet look what we do to ourselves and everybody around us. Right. right. Um, so the question of kind of man-made versus, you know, biologic. So we have these nervous systems uh-huh. and we know that they function a certain way uh-huh. and we don't need to be as stressed out as we are. So we do need some stress, right? We do need some stress sometimes mm-hmm. for motivation and just to kind of keep us functioning. And we need to go into fight or flight when we really are in danger. Right. But the, to the extent that we're stressed out in our society right now, mm-hmm. it's, incredi- it's, it's to the excess. Right. So we have these primitive biological mechanisms inside of our bodies and we're really mismanaging them. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, we are not living according to, uh, you know, our natural ways that we should be living. We're right. isolated. Um, we are bathed in artificial light at night, which actually disrupts our circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then, by the way, if you think that you can just dull your screen out and that's going to take care of it, it won't because the overhead lighting mm-hmm. is enough to trick your body into thinking it's daytime. So I wear nerdy orange glasses every night um, mm-hmm. to help my circadian rhythm readjust and this is why you can't stay awake when you're camping or just um (laughs) right so just turn off all your lights that's the other thing too (laughs) turn off well right or wear orange glasses and you can keep doing what you're doing it's a hack i love these neuroscience hacks right so we can kind of live unnaturally uh but hack our way into um helping support our bodies to be better even though we're living these unnatural lives right like orange glasses like orange rimmed glasses or orange lens glasses (laughs) no the lenses have to be orange uh because it blocks out the the blue ultraviolet spectrum that's what that is what your brain thinks is sunlight right so those little hacks can go a long way but we're living really unnaturally and we are um and then we are we're caught up in our thinking we're caught up in this artificial world and so we don't really get a chance to kind of reset mm-hmm. and we're moving at this pace. You know, I, I haven't looked into this research too much, so I'm not sure if it's really solid, but someone said there was a new EEG pattern that people have found when people are texting, that there's actually, it speeds up your brain waves. Mm, um, I believe and that. Our, the state of our brains dictate what happens to coming, you know, what happens to, or how we react to incoming information. Mm-hmm. So if I, wake up and I didn't get a good night's sleep and I skip breakfast and drink coffee and I come in and somebody says something mildly annoying, my stress, which is going to go up a lot higher in that situation than if I'm well rested, I exercise that morning, I ate a healthy breakfast and maybe I meditated for even five minutes that morning. Right. Right. So my stress, which is going to go lower. So we're not doing what we need to do to modulate our biological mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important. And then we're told, stuff that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, what are you told to do when you're stressed out? You're told to take deep breaths, right? Mm -hmm. Take deep breaths. Just breathe. Just breathe. That's 
great if your stress switch is at a four or five. Right. If your stress switch is at an eight or a nine, there's no way you can actually breathe because that has already been shut down for you and it's mm. being controlled by your autonomic system. Okay. So all these things that we're being told to do to try to control it mm-hmm. is part of our obsession with consciousness mm-hmm. and control mm-hmm. and they break down. So you need a bottom up approach to manage stress in those moments. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of what I get into in the book is don't worry and don't beat yourself up that you haven't been able to manage your stress. You've actually been told the wrong things about it. And when you look at the new neuroscience of what we know now, there are better ways to manage this and handle this, then you really can live a better life. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because the, one of my biggest gripes is, is people who learn just a little bit enough so they go out there and, and, and you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They, they truly want to help, right? And they're, they're touting just breathe, you know, breath work and everything like that. And yeah, to, you're right. To a certain degree, when you're not fully triggered and just kind of full-blown in like high-stress fight-or-flight mode, <clears throat> the breath work is a great way, I think, to kind of do the maintenance work, right? Because because most of sure. us don't breathe enough anyway as it is. So breath work is a great way to kind of like make sure, hey, you make sure you get enough oxygen in your body throughout the day because most of us have this shallow breathing thing all day long, which doesn't help maintain lower levels, right? And 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 so um I, I love that when there's when you're past a certain point, that breath work is not gonna work anymore. It's, it has to be something no. else. Now, does working out, yep. like like equilateral working out and moving your body and getting your body to move in a in a balanced way, does that help? <clears throat> sure. So you know, any we if anything physical or sensory is probably going to work faster to bring your stress level down mm-hmm. than trying to outthink it, outwit it, or even you know do something else. The issue is mm-hmm. is that if you're in a panic, you're not going to have access to that thought typically that says go run around the block and do 30 jumping jacks, right? Because the (laughs) impetus to do that requires executive functions. And those are typically shut down unless you've created a pattern. So a lot of the things we're taught to deal with stress, doing yoga, breath work, working out, you know, good sleep, all those, that's to maintain a lower baseline stress switch. Mm -hmm. But in the moment when you're triggered, you have to employ other strategies because those other ones break down. Right. And they certainly, if you've got a good base of healthy behaviors, you will get less stressed out less often. You'll be less mm-hmm. likely to go into a panic, all of those things. But you need what we call somatosensory right. intervention. And the easiest thing is to use the bilateral stimulation technology and touch points. Mm-hmm. Um, or some people even tap themselves. But right. the tapping of yourself is actually not as effective because your cerebellum kind of knows you're going to touch. You know, <laughs> your like, brain knows what you're going to do before you're going to do it. <laughs> right. You know, it's like my dog this morning. She's getting groomed. And so I, she knows, right? I get her leash out. She knows and she's hiding in the closet. She knows what I'm going to do before I'm going to do it. You know what you're going to do before you're going to do it. But if something's done to you, like tickling or even massage or by lateral stimulation mm-hmm. it has a different and more robust effect on the brain hmm. now would you would you then recommend then to kind of help manage that that we put vibrating implants in our shoulders <laughs> so <laughs> so imagine... yeah, that was going to be my next recommendation yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know that's your next level right just the next level stress management right. tool is like okay fine if we're not if we're going to be embracing this technology and just kind of hyper stressing ourselves out then we might as well take technology and become these bio droid bio android things. yeah why not <clears throat> And while you're at it, go to Build-A-Bear, right? And you can, like, when you press it, it can say a sound, like, I love you. Or this one says, right. like, go away, you know? And you can just kind of do that. I mean, Wait a minute, Build-A-Bear says go away, away now? If we're going to implant things, let's just, let's just you know, go all the way here. I know. Um, you know? <laughs> Spectrum of life, oh, yeah. whatever. Build a bear um, is now teaching. Yeah. I need alone time now. Let's go, go away. <laughs> Leave right. me alone. Put yeah, me in the corner. go away. Go away, mom. I'm tired of your rules. Um, my kids would get that one probably. Uh. No, I think I think we to your point though of this this you know implants. Another interesting thing in our field is that people love to get super complicated with everything. Mm-hmm. We love to implant things or put big you know electrodes on people's heads and go really invasive or take pills. Everybody like everybody oh, will take God, a supplement or a pill, but yeah. you know and 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 the supplements are interesting because they can be just as powerful as pharmaceuticals, obviously, mm-hmm. but people are really, really quick to just go buy something, try something based on, you know, what a biohacker said or what they read in a blog. But we really want to be careful and we really want to be non-invasive when we can. And mm-hmm. so the 
the bilateral stimulation technology that works really well is actually just haptic microvibrations. It's not invasive. Mm. And you want to also be careful, I think, about neurostimulation mm -hmm. um, where there's actually waveforms being emitted that your brain picks up because that, in my opinion, is invasive. And mm. there's things out on the market that actually some are just reading your brainwave activity, but some are actually um, stimulating brain Whoa. activity. And that can kind of backfire. So right. there's a exciting things happening in our field, but I think we want to be um, a little, have some healthy pessimism and caution right. um, before we just get on the bandwagon. Yeah. Same thing goes with CBD oil and medical marijuana. Sorry, uh -huh. folks, but um, the jury's really out on a lot of that research. <clears throat> yeah. So. yeah, and I just recently yeah. heard at uh, one of our uh, practitioner retreats for the technology that we have, um, one of the practitioners is a um, aesthetics um, doctor a.k.a. plastic surgeon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's found okay. that people who are heavy using CBD oil, they're having challenges during surgery because the blood won't coagulate. Mm. Mm, interesting. And that's a problem when you're in surgery or you're doing any kind of medical procedure where there's a cutting and there's blood and stuff like that. So the CBD actually... They, they actually now have it in their paperwork that prior to doing, you know, make sure that if you are taking CBD, you don't take it for like a week or something like that before the procedure, because otherwise your blood's not going to coagulate and you could bleed out. Wow. I, yeah, I hadn't heard that. And I think that it's really tempting. You know, we have these things in our society that we kind of all believe, you know, yeah. a lot of people believe, you know, oh, we only use 10% of our brain. And I mean, if I pull 50 people, 40 of them will believe that that's absolutely not true. Um, or, you I know, know. the definition sense. of insanity is do the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I'm like, yeah, that's not the definition of insanity, but people will say that over and over. It just becomes an ism, you know, in yeah. our culture. And one of the things that really is fueling a lot of, um, or driving people, I should say, to do things that might be harmful is this idea that if it's natural, it's okay. And um, I like to remind people that lead is all natural and arsenic is all natural. All, and, and that's lots not of okay. Things <laughs> that can pretty much kill you on contact and neuro, you know, and, and, and neurotoxic. And so we don't want to create this false dichotomy of, you know, pharmaceuticals are not natural, therefore bad, supplements natural, mm -hmm. therefore good, mm -hmm. or, you know, marijuana natural, therefore good, because everything that has an effect on our brains and bodies mm -hmm. has multiple effects. Some are which desirable and some are which are not desirable based on what our goals are mm -hmm. and based on our, you know, functioning as a, as a, an organism. So just being kind of very cautious about that and um, not hopping on these bandwagons, even the essential oils movement, mm -hmm. you know, natural essential oils are probably fine, but synthetic aromatic compounds we know are mm -hmm. carcinogenic. So when you walk into these hotels mm -hmm. and they're pumping the scent so that you go, oh, the, the Hyatt smells like lilies. Isn't that wonderful? And this one smells like lilies. That is actually very, very toxic to mm -hmm. your system. And so, but no one really questions, you know, the chemicals that are in these compounds. So right. just kind of being aware of what you're going to buy into and right. what you're not and what you're going to try and what you're not. And I love entrepreneurs because they are risk takers, right? Mm -hmm. But they will risk take with their health sometimes mm -hmm. in terms of what they'll try. You know, they'll right. get into these entrepreneur groups and they'll be like, I did this, let's try that, let's do this. And I just, right. I'd like to get people to be a little more cautious and yeah. know that what's right for uh, your friend who just had a successful exit in terms of his own health may not be right for you and what your yeah. what your particular uh, body needs. Yeah, no, I love um, that because we forget that every human being is uniquely different. <clears throat> Each of us, mm -hmm. there is a reason why we all look different because physically there's differences in our physical attributes. So what makes us think that internally we're just like everybody else? Now there's some baselines, right? I mean, there's some baseline type of like commonalities, but there's nuances to everybody's physiology that's just slightly different, which means that <clears throat> that level of discernment that you're talking about to make sure that, well, you know, it, just because it works for them doesn't mean it necessarily will work that well for you, Yeah. right? And then taking the time yeah, to understand yourself, right? Right. And, and I think, too, you know, let's not put a lot of time and energy into things that may not yield a, a big result. You know, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs and people are really busy. And one message that I like to get across is 
I'm not going to add an hour or two hours to your day of doing stuff or overcomplicate your life in the name of stress management. I have hacks for you. I have easy solutions for you. I have mm-hmm. things that I know are easy to do. Right. Um, because even things like gluten, the gluten-free movement, uh-huh. um, I'm not convinced that gluten is toxic to everybody. We all have different right. biology and DNA. And certainly when people go through allergy testing, some people are very gluten sensitive and some people aren't. So I'm not going to give a blanket recommendation to everyone that comes in my office. They should try to take gluten out of their diet because honestly, that's a big undertaking. Yeah. That's a big undertaking. And what I see entrepreneurs, one of the biggest ways they stress themselves out is their to-do list of all these things just to keep them regulated. And I guarantee you that on everybody's list, I have them make a list of what are the 30 things that you must do, right? And what are the things you feel like you're not doing that you're feeling guilty about that's fueling the stress switch? And there's always some that I look at and I say, just take this off. You don't need to be doing this anyway. And this idea that you have to and then this idea that you're failing if you're not or somehow you should be and all that, that's just cluttering up your mind and it's creating more stress for you. So I think that's one of the easiest things people can do is look at their list of what they think they have to do. And do you really have to do all of it? I guarantee you don't. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, I have to go look at my list now. Wait, yeah, I know. Was... Mine's still mine's cluttered up with things too. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, we're human. Part of the human condition. <laughs> right, that's right. Wait, yeah, you're, wait, you're human. It, wait a minute, you know? but you're a clinical. Are you right. human? <laughs> so do you? Yeah, discuss... well, I'm part Android now that I have these shoulder implants. <laughs> implants. In here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like as soon as my levels are up, it's just starts start firing on its own. Um, so <laughs> right. I, I think armbands will actually work. You know, and if you and if the next piece of technology that you can figure out is if you can sense the raising stress levels then um, mm-hmm. then it'll just start to fire on its own. So now it becomes self-managing, right? And at some point, I guess the right. human mind can kind of learn that and then it can actually create, kind of like when people lose their arms, the ghost of the arm is still there. The unconscious mind can just take the place of those armbands so eventually they can wean themselves off of that. Anyway, there's some cool things, right? Yeah, really cool things. You're talking about closed loop and I think that's the future, right? Mm-hmm. Where we Because we are terrible at knowing when we're stressed out. Yeah. And there's a um, a love lab up in Seattle. John and Julie Gottman, they're <laughs> famous uh, doctors that do um, that do couples work. And Sounds they, like a radio show. they have people just, you know, yeah, right. The love lab. Right? But you have to have I have a different voice. <laughs> See, you have a voice. You could do that. Um, what they do is they put electrodes on people's heads, and they're and they're actually, you know, they're they're reading their biomarkers mm-hmm. of stress while couples are just interacting interacting with each other. And they found a couple of things. Number one, they can very reliably predict who's going to be unhappy with each other mm. and who's going to maybe get divorced mm. based on their nervous system reaction to each other. Nice. But that doesn't necessarily correlate with what people are saying. Right. The people, the people that are getting their, they're reading their biometric levels of stress. And then when they ask you how stressed are you or how stressed were you, people are not great. Uh, they're not great at understanding because again, this is an unconscious autonomic process. Mm-hmm. They don't know that their partners are stressing out their nervous system, but their heart rate is telling the tale. Mm-hmm. And their cortisol levels is telling the tale. And so when, if we can sense stress with biomarkers and then correct it in the moment, mm-hmm. that's so much better than asking people to try to recognize it and take deep breaths or recognize it and even apply the bilateral stimulation right. um, uh, or do something else, right? right? So that's, I think, the the future of um, of the technology for sure. Yeah. And so all of this that we discussed, it because there's so there's so much more, and we're believe it or not, we're actually running out of time. But there's so much more that that I can tell is or is in is this all in your book? I mean, everything that we talked about thus far, and then some. I mean, is that all covered in your book, or is or did we talk about stuff that's not in your book? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is covered in my book. So Uh I go into kind of a a simple explanation of the actual neuroscience of stress, Uh why, what the current um, system and the current ideas about stress management Uh are are off and not helpful Uh and really how stress manifests. We all know stress causes this and causes that. But I mean, the real life examples of how stress might be affecting your life Mm -hmm. and then how to hack into it and how to stop beating yourself up for not having been able to do it thus far. And then I kind of lead into how this affects us on a, you know, in a family unit and community unit and on the global level, because Mm -hmm. whenever we're stressed out, that stress spreads like mercury in a pond and it actually affects everything we touch. And so we owe it to ourselves for our own well-being and Mm -hmm. happiness to be less stressed. But it also is one way that we can make an impact on the greater world because it does spread like a ripple effect. And, yeah. and so does joy 
and happiness. And you cannot be joyful and happy if you are, stressed. Uh, if your stress switch is high. It's just <clears throat> the bottom line. Yeah. And I think the concept of a stress switch and just thinking of your own stress levels in terms of that is incredibly helpful for people. Mm-hmm. And then when people um, read about it, will they also find out how to access the, or the, the, the technology that you have? Can that, can that be purchased online somewhere? Because, I mean, what is it on Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. So the book is on Amazon, and it's also on my website at mm-hmm. Amy Theron. So that's A-M-Y-S-E-R-I-N.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's also links to purchase the technology, and the technology is on Amazon, and it's also on the uh, Touchpoints website at ilovetouchpoints.com. Yeah, nice. ilovetouchpoints.com. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's so I'm, I'm going to make sure I put all that in the description and put all those in the comments and everything so people can reach out. So now if someone is like saying, you know what, I just need to go to your clinic. I need to hire you or whatever it is because I think you're the answer to all my stress needs. Or maybe if I want to send my clients to you, that <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> what's the best way for them to reach out to you or to go to your clinic or work with you specifically? What's the best way to contact you? So our website is Saren, S-E-R-I-N. Mm-hmm center.com mm-hmm. so they can just go to the website and they can either um do a web inquiry or they can get the number and call us mm-hmm. um and uh and find out and so we'll have somebody do a quick consult on the phone to see what somebody needs and if they're out of state we can either um, see if teletherapy would be a fit or if they can come in and do an intensive in our clinics we do have people wow. coming in internationally and in the u.s and doing either one week two week or month-long intensive wow so basically, you just kind of hang out at the clinic or hang out locally and then just see you guys every day. For, yeah. And just and then you just basically sledgehammer the stress out of their life or. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we do. It, it's individually prescriptive, so it depends. But if someone has obsessive compulsive disorder or uh-huh. post-traumatic stress disorder or just uh-huh. has a lot of anxiety, we will generally use a combination of things like neurofeedback, um, um, photobiomodulation, mm-hmm. um stimulation and then also um uh therapy and and things like that so we'll kind of uh create a custom protocol for them and i think the most popular time to come because i'm in arizona is not in july or august but typically uh during spring training okay or in the winter time a lot of people from colder climates like to come and kind of experience arizona and we have a resort lifestyle out here so it's quite a nice place to nice visit. okay it's kind of like i just recently got um <clears throat> asked if i wanted to go to miraval which is also in which is also in arizona it's a kind of a resort type of thing um but mm-hmm. if you have a resort type of circumstance out there that's pretty awesome <laughs> so people can be they'll just it walk in awesome. and just like relaxed it's like just walk in and your stress will melt away <laughs> right and here's what's interesting about that though but when you think about your life again it comes right back to the same mm. stress switch number so we still need that pattern interrupt this is why people go on vacation they can relax they come back to their lives and they're back to square one it doesn't really last but right. we have ways of changing the neural pathways around certain stressors so that they don't stress you out anymore. And I think that's the key also. Yeah. And, and, and so, so, so I have a question. This is, this is mind boggling to me because uh, we live in a fantastic time where you could basically monetize, make money doing anything, you know, and you can create a lifestyle doing anything. And so if we have that option, have that understanding that that's possible, why would we then choose to have to live a life where you have to go on vacation to reset and come back? And why not just have a, 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 a fun life monetizing what you just like what you're talking about? It was just fun and you're doing it. And it's such a big difference from where you used to work in that high. You bought into that you know, that startup and got to do this and everything. And then you said, no, I, mm-hmm. life sucks right now. I'm like totally stressed out. You said you had eczema <laughs> and you know, all these different things. And then all of a sudden you made that shift. Not everybody is, is, has that luck to kind of find that on their own. But what, what do we say to that right now to people who, who we're, don't make that choice? I mean, what's keeping them from making that choice and making that understand like, oh, I can actually have that. Usually what keeps us from anything good in life is fear. That's Mm -hmm. the basic answer. Mm -hmm. But what I would tell people is you don't need, you may need to change your external environment in Mm -hmm. order to be happy, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that. If you change your internal environment Mm -hmm. and we take care of that, then you can decide what to do about your external environment. Because a lot of people think that they're miserable in their job and they realize they have free floating misery inside (laughs) of them that's just attaching (laughs) to whatever. And then they'll change jobs and then they will be the same level of misery. So we don't want people to 
feel like they have to change and make these, you know, get a divorce and, um, you know, move out to Zimbabwe and, or live on the beach in Costa Rica, wherever, <laughs> whatever they think they need to do, right. wherever you go, there you are. So I always right. caution people, instead of disrupting your life in that way, let's see what we can do internally first. And then they'll be very clear about whether or not they need to make an external change. And if they do, we will have removed that fear anyway. And then right. once you remove the fear out of something, then people can move towards their best life. But right. fear is ultimately what holds us back. And fear is the same thing as stress. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just hyper-stressed. You know, it's just like augmented yeah. stress. And I love that. That's like, you know, it, you, you change the environment within to change the environment without, so to speak, right? Everything mm -hmm. is an outpicturing mm -hmm. of what all started in here anyway. So, yes, we are on the same track. I love it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we're running out of time, but I'm sure if we had more time, we could probably talk until the cows come home. I mean, think that that's kind of what happened when we had our introductory call. We're just like, oh, wait, you got to stop, right. stop talking because that's really good stuff. We need to put it on the show. <laughs> and, you know, and so I'm pretty sure that down the road, <clears throat> you're probably going to release more technology or new book and everything like that. When that happens, let me know. would love to have you back on the show to talk about all the shifts and changes because I have a sneaking suspicion there's more coming up in the horizon in that little brain of yours that you're working on and stuff, right? It definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's one thing? Okay, so there's a lot of information on here. You know, and people, they just need that simple one thing. If there's an entrepreneur right now that's dealing with stress and everything like that, you know, with everything that we talked about today, what would be one thing that you say, you know what, just do this for now, you know, and then and, and get the book, of course, and then reach out and get the technology. But what is one thing on top of all that that you would suggest stressed out, money anxiety ridden entrepreneurs should can do today to kind of help immediately start to put them on that path of a different lifestyle? Yeah. Number one, if they're not getting between seven and nine hours of sleep a night, mm -hmm. start getting seven and nine hours of sleep a night. That's okay. the first thing. And then the second thing is, um, to uh, not accept high levels of stress as being uh, a have to, as being something that has to be present in your life. Right, like a badge of honor, like we were saying. And then, <laughs> yeah, and just start noticing, just start noticing, when, uh -huh. when is my heart pounding? When am I panicking? Uh -huh. When is this happening? Uh -huh. So, and, and then refuse to accept that as how your reality needs to continue forward. Right. Those are the things I would start with. Uh -huh. And then um, the rest will, you know, will come with certain kinds of actions. Right. Get the book. Right. Remember, the book's name is called The Stress Switch. The Truth About Stress yeah. and How to Short Circuit It. I love that. I like, mm -hmm. Reminds me of the movie Thank Short you. Circuit. But it's not that. There it is. For those of you watching the video, that's what the book looks like. So remember that. Take a screenshot of that. And then when you go to Amazon, you could find it. <laughs> and then from there, you can also pick up some of the devices, which I'm probably going to do after this, uh, because I think that'd be a cool thing to have. And I'm going to get the book as well. Yeah. Oh, that's what it looks like. I'm doing this. Point. I'm doing this wrong in the camera. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're so like those those, it those are the touch points. They come in a box. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty box. <laughs> right. So it's like all fancy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty slick. I think, um, these are, these are our new boxes out and then they, uh, sorry for up. those of you who are listening, but they're just two devices and they're modular. So nice. they, you can actually wear them on wristbands like this. Oh, that's what you have um, going on. Or there. you can get, you can get sweatbands and this is what the kids use them in school okay. to, because there is a slight vibration to build the noise. Okay. So when kids wear them in school to help them focus or to help them calm down, uh, um, or if people are in board meetings or court or whatever, they can put them actually on their ankles and they right. can go undetected, but they can leave them on because we know leaving them on in a prolonged stressful uh -huh. situation is, um, helps people perform and it helps their cortisol stabilize faster afterwards. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And I want to thank you for opening the box in front of me because it feeds my unboxing therapy. You know, when I watch people unbox things and stuff like that, it's very satisfying. It's oddly satisfying. You know, it makes me stress. It eliminates my stress. Right. Yeah. How did that become a thing? We get to learn so much about the human condition by what people are watching on YouTube. Right. I know, like right? who knew? Just open up a box. Just take everything out slowly. Just talk while you're doing right. it. Right. And we're all like, ooh. <laughs> It's like, it's like these weird, all these satisfying things. And it depends. And everybody's different. Not everybody's stimulated that way. So I, I think it's such a cool world that we live in right now where we get to have access to explore so many different ways to create an optimal life that feeds 
our each of us uniquely. You know what makes each of us happy and joyful, right? So, but anyway, yeah. like I said, we can talk. To, I have to watch the time. But anyway, thank you so much, Doctor Amy Saren, for coming on uh, and 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 doing this interview and everything like that. A lot of what you shared is super amazing, and I hope that people who who hear this really kind of understand just how powerful it is that everything that it is that you do. So pick up the book. Get those touch point devices if you can, but most importantly, just kind of like you know, listen to what we talked about today and manage that stress because that is one of the biggest things that are going to give you what we all want to get is joy, love, happiness, and perfect self-expression of our unique selves in this lifetime. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is such a cool, cool uh, interview, and I'm really looking forward to um, making sure the rest of the world picks up on this. Cool. What right. a pleasure. Thank you so much. You are been so fun. welcome. Yeah, I was. And then we'll have you back when you have your new stuff that's coming out because I, you know, like I said, I think you're going to have more. I feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> the implants are coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for this week. Again, if you found this episode to be valuable, know of someone who can actually benefit from what we talked about today. And I guarantee if you actually heard the show, the whole world could benefit from this talk around stress. <laughs> so make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or YouTube to make sure you don't ever miss a new episode. Okay? So that's a wrap. Have an amazing week. Take all the money knowledge from today and the stress knowledge today, stress management knowledge, <laughs> and join me on the next episode of the Money Lab Podcast. This is Way and my guest, Dr. Amy Saren, signing off. <laughs>